You get these questions a lot. Where are you from? And what do you do? That's what you get asked, right? Meeting someone new if you're at a party or maybe on your dating profile. So why not just tell the world? We just launched a brand new online store that tells people where you're from and what you do. It has all 50 U.S. states and some countries represented with physical therapist gear at ptpinecast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee. Check. South Carolina PT t-shirts. Double check. Face masks for a Florida PT. Yeah, we got that. Great gear for life, all with your profession and the home state on it. Great gifts for yourself, a colleague, a clinical instructor, a student, all now at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, ladies and gents, we are live. Welcome to the show, Wednesday Night Live. Doing it live on the socials at PT Pinecast on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and of course, uh, subscribe to the show online at uh, PT Pinecast. Uh, and wherever uh, podcasts are heard, we got on the uh, the iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. Uh, so, uh, so make sure you never miss an informative episode online right now as well at ptpinecast.com. We just started these things. We've got these kind of like these can holders. It's that time of year when having a good can holder is important, vital, I might say. Uh, you can get some right now that are very PT themed. We've got some from uh, all 50 U.S. states, some uh, international ca- can koozies, tumblers, T-shirts, the whole nine. Your PT Pinecast swag. It's all about you. I'm drinking mine right now. Uh, check that online at ptpinecast.com. Uh, great episode today. We're going to talk about tactical athletes, tactical physical therapy and performance with a cool uh, with a cool kind of throwback to really the beginning of this podcast as well. So like episodes like this, I get excited about. Uh, so let's start the show and bring on the guests. Let's do this thing. All right, we're doing a live. Welcome to PT Pinecast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy. Online, as we mentioned, at PT Pinecast. And uh, just hit that subscribe button on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Drop a review. I'm not going to tell you what to say. You know, my mom left a nice review. If that's anything, give us some stars. Just tell it. Honest feedback is always good. And we always say the uh, the ultimate uh, compliment is you telling a friend, telling a colleague, telling someone in class, telling someone, hey, I learned something from this episode. This is great. You should listen. That is the ultimate compliment. If you'd like to help support the show, that's the thing that we ask you to do. Uh, episode today is fantastic. We're going to talk about tactical physical therapy and performance. We're going to get into like, what what is a tactical athlete? I still remember where I was standing. When someone, it was Rich Westrick who first explained like what a tactical athlete was. I was like, oh, wow, totally different. Did not think of that. Uh, We'll talk about the common tactical musculoskeletal injuries, what's included in a program development for soldiers, and then how to teach ownership of injuries and treatment for tactical athletes. Let's get our guest in here to do just that. A retired Army physical therapist and former Special Forces medic and infantryman, currently the director of operations at the Heibel Sports Medicine and Performance Center in Colorado. Let's get Jason Mitchler on the show. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. 
pretty unique background right there. Before we get into that, though, I do like to get the hard questions out of the way first. What are we drinking? I'm drinking an Upslope Citra Pale Ale. Good Ooh, stuff. Yeah. Upslope. Yeah. I like that very yeah, it's, much. It's out of Boulder. Yeah, it's good. It's good beer. So. Drink, drink local is what I say. Uh, I'm doing out of the <laughs> Falls, uh, Wisconsin. I'm doing the summer shandy. It just I can have one or two nice. of these, but it's very much a summer beer. When you mix lemonade and beer, uh, it just uh, it screams summer. So cheers yeah. uh, for the time. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Jason. Cheers. Thanks, Jimmy. So you have a pretty cool background in your intro. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, retired Army physical therapist, former Special Forces medic and infantryman, and then your current role. Working for the performance center in in Colorado. Let's go back before we go forwards. How was your time as an army PT? How was your time, you know, in, as a special forces medic? Anything you you know you'd want to highlight there? Yeah, I think it kind of all evolved over time. For me, um, I I've always been interested in the human body and strength and conditioning, and so that's kind of where my initial interest went. And then when I was doing my undergrad someone had recommended physical therapy. And so I thought, well, maybe I wanted to be a physical therapist. And after I, I, I was in the army reserves during my undergrad. And so um, I was already an infantry guy. So I'd already been to basic training during the summer between um, semesters. And so, uh, um, so I was already an infantry guy. So I knew I kind of was involved with the army, but I thought maybe I want to be a physical therapist. My grades weren't the greatest. I, I was lacking some of the classes. And so after college, I did some odd jobs and I was working as a PT tech. Um, and, you know, this was mid 90s and um, it was a lot of they call bum jobs, you know, heat ultrasound massage, you know, it was just kind of over and over again, you know, so it was just kind of this and I hated it. I was like, I don't want to be a PT. This is this is anything I want to do. And so uh, some guy came into the clinic, told me about the special forces medic program. Um, and that's how I ended up going active duty. I had to go um, active duty infantry first, try out for the special forces. I thought I wanted to be a PA eventually. Um, as it turned out, I, you know, I went down the road a little bit. I did a couple of deployments, um, saw a lot of multi-system trauma. And during that time, I, you know, I liked trauma. And I thought, well, maybe I wanted to be like an orthopedic surgeon or something like that. And I realized I didn't really like sick people so much. I didn't like, you know, <laughs> diarrhea and stomach stuff. And, uh, I really, I was really into, you know, biomechanics and physiology and that. And, and so one day I, I didn't do so well in organic chemistry. I was looking up kind of what, where I could go. I wasn't going to get into med school, I didn't think. And, and I found out the Army had a physical therapy program. And so that's how I branched over to physical therapy. And so that's how my career kind of went. So I'm like, Thank you for your service, first and foremost. Well, thanks, yeah. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to say thanks to Owens Recovery Science for uh, bringing you the first round? Uh, looking for a single source for PTs, looking to, to learn and bring uh, personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training into your clinical practice. Do it right with Johnny Owens and his team, OwensRecoveryScience.com. Johnny comes from a great military background, Center for the Intrepid, where he really you know, took a lot of uh, what he does now from the military and talks about that uh, all the time. So thanks to them again, Owens recovery science.com. They just released three new episodes on the Owens recovery science podcast. So check out Johnny and Kyle and his team out there doing great things. Good self-awareness. I mean, you could have gone further down the the rabbit hole. Been, you were like, I, I do, I do not like diarrhea when I was leaving. Right. <laughs> when I, it sounds funny, but it's not like some people just keep going. Cause they're like, this is what I'm supposed yeah. to do. When I was leaving radio, people were like, I, I mean, I don't even know if I've told this before on the show. I took the LSAT prep course 
the minute I looked open at the LSAT for law school, I like just shut the book right back again. I was like, thanks so much. That didn't go well. I did the GMAT. I went to business school for a year. I won't brag, but I have one third of an MBA, which gets you nothing. You can't even put that on your resume. Yeah. It was self-awareness where I was like, well, you know, I remember I had a conversation with my dad. I was like, well, I did like a third of an MBA. My dad is a fireman. He was like, so do you like it? I was like, no, I hate it. And he's like, so you're going to keep going? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just supposed to finish. And he's like, well, yeah. you, you didn't say you kind of didn't like it. You said you hated it. And I was like, <laughs> I think dad's onto something. So bailed there. But you mentioned that diarrhea thing. I Everybody was like medical, right? You did. You looked at law business. The only thing left, right? Well, broad categories like, you know, medical. And I remember being like, dude, I don't like blood, like bleeding things. Nope. I mean, if you're I'm around, I'll put direct pressure on it. But I don't want to voluntarily do that. Yeah. And that was when I literally was training for a triathlon and I was like, oh, there is other things where like most of the time people in PT come to you and they're, you know, they're fully intact. Right. And that that yeah. was the was the crappy thing when I learned in PT with like wound care. I was like, no, 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 no. I stand up with because everything was going to be closed. Yeah. And they're like, no, well, well, well. But but good self-awareness on you saying and, and you were like you were kind of like, you know, navigating a like this, don't like this, want more of this, less of this. And you found your way. Yeah, I think that's the worst part about undergrad or trying to go to graduate school is you're putting all this work in, you're putting in, you know, time commitment, a financial commitment, and like maybe you're not going to get into school. You know, like I've never been like the greatest like grade student. I feel like I have pretty good understanding, but you know, it's it's really like that kind of that buffer period where you you don't know if you're going to get into a PT school or law school or whatever and it's it's an awful period of time and it's just kind of like unknowing and uncertainty and so but it all worked out for me but yeah it took a while so uh questions from the audience comments drop them below if you're watching live on facebook twitter uh youtube a question right there training at fort sam before or after pt school is what vincent's asking so uh for for me um did my infantry training at Fort Benning and then most of the special forces training was at fort bragg um when i went to pt school uh, initially, so the PT program is at Fort Sam, and so you go to the officer basic course. It's a direct commission, so you get commissioned. Um, I think I got commissioned in September, and then it was like 10 or 11 weeks at the officer basic course, and then right from there, we transitioned right to the PT program at Baylor. So I was there for three years. Um, yeah, it's a great place to be. That's great. All right, so that that's that's the beginning of your physical therapy career. So, but, but talk about that because you were also, so army physical therapist and former special forces medic and forgive me because this is a world I just, I don't navigate. So I don't want to like say, you know, I don't want to frame it wrong. So like, what was, what was, what were those times like? I mean, what were you doing? Cause I, I feel like, yep. especially you just did an episode last week, military is so broad. That's how fun. I mean, I feel like you can do a lot of different things. Yeah, you really can. And you know, it's really whatever your interests are, you can find some type of job to do there. And and so for me, like I always wanted to be a soldier soldier. I wanted to be in the infantry or special forces or something like that. And so for it used to be if to get into special forces, you had to be do a certain time in a regular unit. It didn't matter what your job was. And then you had to be a certain rank. And then you had to go to a selection school, which was 26 days when I went. I don't know what it is now. I, th I think it's probably right around there, but it was just basically like, we call it like a suck fest. You know, we just rock day and night. You're always wearing a 50 pound rock. You're doing land nav, you know, you're, you're getting a minimal sleep every night. And so you know, my, all my toes were numb afterwards for a couple months and my hands, my fingertips were numb. And so 
it was worth it. You know, so I got picked up and there's a pretty, pretty high attrition right there. I'm guessing maybe 40% get selected. I, I don't, I don't know for certain, but I think for us, it was around 40% of everyone that started got selected. And then um, you get selected for a job. Special Forces has a few different specialties. It's um, you're a weapons guy, you're a commo guy, you're a medical guy like I was. And then the other one is engineer. And so you get kind of put into these pipelines and the medical one is the longest one. And so you go from, you go to Fort Bragg, you go to jump school, and then you do like a patrol phase and then you do a medical portion, which is over a year. And, you know, the attrition right there is really big too. I think we started with at close to 80 guys and we graduated six. And so, six. Cool. Was, yeah, yeah. So it was really uh, six first time people, 15 total. Wow. And so some guys get rolled back and, you know, they have to go, you know, they start a new group and other guys, they'll get pushed to another MOS, um, like a, they get pushed to the weapons course or something like that. And then some guys just get pushed back to the regular army. And, you know, a lot of it's just luck. And, you know, luckily for me, I knew how to study. I knew how to kind of like, you know, time manage. And so, you know, there's a lot of young kids there. And so, but it's just really good. It's just a ton of trauma training. We get actually registered as a paramedic and we did a rotation up in New York for a couple months in New York city. And, you know, I just learned a ton and, it's really fire hose information, just, you know, it's nonstop for 12, 13 months. And, but I, I enjoyed it because, you know, but that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I was, and I was so afraid of failing and getting sent back to the regular army. And so it, it worked out. And but the, so then from there, you go to another phase, which is like five to six weeks where all the MLSs come together. Then you go to language school and then you go to survival school. And then, so for me, the pipeline was about two years and then you get pushed out to a team. And so, Based on your language, you get pushed to a certain group. You know, there's a few different groups in the in the United States, and they cover different regions. It's whatever your language is, you get pushed there. So I ended up in the third group, which is in North Carolina. I spoke French because we take a test called the D Lab, which is kind of uh, it's like basic grammar. Right. So if you uh, if you barely speak English, you get French, and so I got French. And so like, but if you if you're a smart cat, you know, you get Arabic or something like that, but or Chinese. Uh. And, yeah, but not for me, you know, they're like, yeah, you can do French. So I want to see if the audience can guess what, what I what I studied in middle school and high school. I think I got for the same reason. They were like, Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Love that. Um, it sounds like you had the right mindset, which I always tell people, like, am I gonna get through this? And I'm like, I don't know, like, do you want it real bad? Like a lot of times you said it's like luck, and I'm like, all right, yeah. A lot of times that luck feels a lot like want it real bad preparing for something real bad and sacrificing for something real bad. Yeah, I would think so. You know, and it's uh, even like, even like you're talking like PT school, it's just putting in the work and it's yeah. not fun always. But the one thing I did like about physical therapy school, you know, you're, you're with this group of people that they're all have the same interest. And so, you know, I can't think of anybody in my class of PT that I didn't like that they, they all wanted to be good physical therapists and, you know, some of them were younger, some were older like me, but everyone wanted to be a good physical therapist. And so it, it made it, it made it productive for everybody. Yeah. It was good. I mean, it's a good group, right? I mean, like PT is a great. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Great people. Right. It's it, it, it sort of like, you know, draws people who are pretty altruistic and, and, you know, you don't get there by accident. Right. I mean, I think a lot of first yeah. year PT students kind of like, I don't know, I somehow slipped in the side door. I don't know how I got in here. And I tell people all the time, like, like you said, is it fun? Yeah. There's some moments that are fun. 
Are there some moments that are not fun? Yeah, there's a lot of moments that are not fun. Yeah, yeah. I say it's like working at the post office, and I've never worked at the post office, but it's what I imagine is like, listen, you got to do a bunch of work today because there's going to be more tomorrow. And guess what? Two days from now, say, so knock this out because if you get yeah. real lazy today, you're going to hate yourself tomorrow and you're going to really hate yourself three days from now. So it's like right. getting that mindset. It's, is it a suck fest? Yeah, but I feel like, you know, endurance athletes, like they understand, like tactical, you understand what a suck fest is. It's like, it's going to be like, it's, you got to get comfortable. I hate that cliche too, but get comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh, it's true. And especially with PT school, you know, like I was just talking about the uncertainty of undergrad and not knowing if you're going to get, like you're in the school, like all you have to do is finish and you're set, you know, you you get licensed. And, you know, so that part for me, I was able to like kind of exhale a little bit and just get after it. And so, but. Well, yeah, I think that's just you. Oh, I was gonna say I feel like this is a good um, way to to kind of segue into the difference between how you have to train a tactical athlete versus an athlete. I think it was Rich Westerick. This is three or four years ago when I had Rich on the show, and he 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 just set it up so brilliantly. He's like, "Jimmy, you're a triathlete." I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You sign up for a triathlon in August, right?" You know exactly the minute the gun is going to go off right now. You know exactly how much time you have until you have to, 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 to train. Yep. You know the swim course, the butt, you know exactly how much shade. You know very, you know, pretty much, you know, the weather, you know. So you know exactly what to do. I go, right. And he goes, right. Tactical athletes have no idea where they're going, when they're going, or what they need to do to get there. I was like, oh, that would be hard to train for. So you got to train for a lot of things, but you got to be really good at what is in front of you. And when Rich said that, I was like, oh, yes, that would present some issues. So let's start first, because that was my aha moment. Like, how do you describe a tactical athlete? Yeah, so, you know, the whole athlete term, you know, we throw around fairly freely, you know, especially when we're looking at the tactical population. But if we're looking at tactical, I mean, in military or anybody, public safety, police, fire, whatnot. And I think it's what you just said. It's people that have to do something athletic sometime during their job, you know, so whether it's they're sitting in a vehicle all day and then an IED goes off and then they're running or they're firefighter or police or fire. And so I teach for a company called O2X and we talk a lot about baselines, like where your baseline is, right? So if I'm, say I'm like a overweight clerk in, 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 the, in the army and I don't think my skill is needed right like my firefighting skill or whatnot and then I'm driving in a convoy and I get hit right everyone in that convoy is counting on me to get up fire my weapon run you know and protect them all and so if my baseline is I can barely get out of that truck or I can I can't squat down or I'm so weak if someone gets injured that I can't pull them out of danger well then I'm a liability and and, and so that's why I think if we look at baselines, we look at police and fire, what your what is your baseline, the military population? And so the, having a physical test biannually is so important because it makes people adhere to a standard. So a lot of these like police and fire places, they pushed away from it because, you know, there's just a big push that it's, you know, it's biased. But I, I, for me personally, I'm like, it sets a standard and it makes you maintain that baseline so that if I'm sitting in a vehicle, you know, like me right now, 51 years old, I can get up squat, I can run or whatever. But if I've been sitting around, I've gotten overweight, then I'm a liability to the people I'm trying to help and to the people on my team. And so, um, yeah, the, the athlete thing, I think it's just these guys that they have to do something 
that's physically active in their job that other people depend on, whether it's people they're, they're going to help or people that are on their same team or in their same department. Yeah. And, and, and there's, they're so vastly different. My dad was a New York city firefighter. And the thing, I think a lot of people that don't know about firefighters because they watch the movie backdraft, they're like, well, you just run around with an ax. And my dad's like, and I didn't know this. I mean, I think it was, I was like 14 or 15 and I come from a family in New York city firefighters. My dad's like, we, we're crawling like, if it is if it is a fire, we are crawling ninety five percent of the time, and I was like, I don't think I realized that because when my dad's walking around the firehouse when I was there and he's putting the stuff on, he's walking around, and then it, yeah, you realize like, you know, the difference between standing, you know, your head and where your feet are could be hundreds of degrees. So trust me, man, you are not standing in a room that's on fire, and you're wearing gear and a face mask, you know, and then that's compromising your breathing. The gears weighing you down, and so. Yeah, it's it's a it's a huge thing, and Rich is what right, you know. Rich Rich knows this stuff, and so it's just we have to be ready to go from zero to sixty. It's not you know if you like a D one or a pro sports, they go out there, they warm up, they go through the drills or whatnot. Warm up, it, right? It, None of yeah, that. Yeah, it rarely happens like that, and um, usually you know it's just kind of spur of the moment, and you're going, and and that's why you have to be ready. All right, so let's go with this. What what's training? What training is required then? How do you prepare? And I and I said at the the top of the show that uh, th- this episode and kind of what we're talking about is kind of uh, it's kind of cool for this podcast. It was an it was a, a presentation in North Carolina when I was a second year PT student uh, in a room of a thousand people or whatever, and it was a woman and a man who were talking about the variability in training across hundreds of soldiers hey you might have a guy who's in super great shape and then you got that bell curve it's amazing how just you know law of big numbers when things fall they fall in that bell curve yeah. and then you got, so how do you uh, the, the presentation was how do you approach training for people who are all soldiers but are still vastly different that made me i understood enough of that presentation but not all of it i caught up with them at the happy hour afterwards and i was like hey i got over let's have a beer i gotta understand that was kind of the catalyst for this podcast um, yeah. So it feels, it's kind of like, you know, it's full circle for me, but what are, what, what trainings required then? How do you approach that? And what are the common, what are the common injuries then that you'll see? Because I think, I, I bet these things would be kind of, kind of uh, pattern, patternistic. Yeah. And so on the, uh, and I can only speak to the army side of the house as far as, you know, I think every service requires some type of biannual test. And, you know, as far as like the Marine Corps, they have a pretty lockdown right now. You know, they do a, like a fitness type test. And then they do more uh, like a combat. I think they call it like a combat fitness test. So one time a year they're doing the fitness, one time a year they're doing the combat test. And so the army's transitioning to the ACFT, which are Army combat fitness test, which um, involves, you know, some pull-ups, a deadlift, a little shuttle run, some, you know, some explosive movements. And for me, like when, if we're, the reason I like the ACFT compared to what we used to do, you know, two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, two miles of run. Right? So one, we can we can determine where your weakness is, right? Like, are you sucking on the two-mile run? Or, you know, are you can't deadlift a certain amount of weight? Or are you getting injured every time you deadlift because you're doing it poorly? Or are you just, you're just structurally weak? And we can determine, like, we can assess where your weakness is. And then you can work on that for the next test. So, it, you know, it gives you some objective numbers so that when we go back and we look at, where, you, where you're weak or where you're deficient in, you can work on. And the other reason I like biannual tests or, you know, and then, you know, even if they do it biannually, it's like a recorded biannually, they're still doing it probably quarterly where they're kind of going out they do like a diagnostic test. Right. And, the, and the importance of that is, is, is guys are training to the test. So 
if, if there's a test that requires a pull-up and a deadlift and a shuttle run and a, you know, a backwards overhead medicine ball toss and a, and a shuttle, like, yeah, so it's really broad and it's touching all the inner systems as opposed to the push-up sit-ups tomorrow. So right. easy to train for fairly, but it, it doesn't really show guys deficiencies. And then I don't think it makes them better soldiers. And so we, we can look at assessments we can look at where people are, are weak or deficient, and then we can train to that weakness. And so, but you know, when I was deployed, I kept an injury tracker and kind of like, just kind of looked at where, where guys were injured or whatnot and kind of what their mechanisms were. So, but the most common was low back pain, 30% of the injuries, shoulder, then neck, and then knee and elbow, and then everything else is just kind of like um, just whatever. And then with the mechanism, typically 34% was was no no specific injury. Like no they don't trauma. know why they're back. Yep, they just woke up and they had back pain. Slept Nobody wrong. Talked. Yeah, yeah, they slept wrong. Or, you know, for a lot of times it was they were in a vehicle lo loaded down in body armor for 16 hours and then they exactly went to right. sleep and yeah yeah so like you know it's probably that overload and then they had pain or whatnot you know and, and a lot of it was working out too you guys get injured working out all the time because they, either they're working out incorrectly or they're just getting after it and you know that happens and then work-related injuries lifting stuff and so Another reason why having a test where we're doing some lifting is important because then we're teaching proper mechanics and we're teaching, you know, like we're training to the test and we're training to the task at hand when guys go out into their units. You know, only a small percentage were combat related, less than 2% were combat related at the injury. Wait, wait, less, two, less than 2% were actually combat related. Combat related, yeah. And so it's just, you know, but when you see those, a lot of times, the, the percentage is probably higher, but the, the injuries I see in theater, you know, if they're, if they're traumatic injuries, we're usually pushing them out to Germany and they're going back stateside. Um, but if I'm seeing them, you know, it's, you know, I saw a couple of gunshot wounds that, that, you know, like were just mainly soft tissue and they could recover or whatnot. And so, or, you know, they can be a small concussion that we just took care of them for a little bit. So, yeah, so those are the, those are the main injuries that, you know, not too different, I guess, in the general population, you know, with the low back pain, but it makes sense. You know, these guys are wearing gear all the time. They're rucking, you know, 50, 50 pounds of gear on their body. In addition to like a rucksack isn't uncommon. So, so, so what are the phases, right? So when someone's in theater, when someone is, is, is expecting the unexpected, what are you able to do with them in terms of time and programming versus when they are stateside and they are, as you mentioned, training for that test? So what are, what are the differences there? Yeah, so if, in the deployed environment, so you know, when I, last time I was deployed, I was stationed out of Baghdad and I would travel around to the different fire bases weekly. And, you know, there's, you know, maybe 10 plus fire bases. So I'm just kind of going in and we're just putting band-aids on stuff, right? Like we're talking to people and, you know, back pain. And so we're just doing like a simple modality, giving them some exercises to do. If they get, if they get injured enough where they push them back to like, kind of like the main base, which would be Baghdad, then I could probably give them a little bit more care, which would be more similar to garrison care where they're coming into therapy every day. They're working with a tech. And, and so, um, but for, for this population, and a lot of my career I spent with special operations, they're, they're go-getters. And so it's, uh, it doesn't require a whole lot of motivation. Um, right. Sometimes it, it can become a crutch. Physical therapy can become a crutch. But, uh, 
for, but for the most part, like they're go-getters and, you know, we give them stuff to do. And, and the 18 Delta, which is what I was, the special forces medic, they're pretty, they're, they know their stuff. And so if I'm going out to a base, each base typically had an 18 Delta. And so what I would get with them, we do a little training with them. So like, here's what you can do for the guys or whatever. You know, so we just talk through some stuff and teach them some ba- basic skills. But you're dealing with people who their body is their main tool, their main weapon, and they got to make sure that's functioning and pretty motivated to pay attention to what you're telling them because they're pretty motivated to get back to doing what they were doing before. I mean, nobody likes to be hurt, but like motivated to do it. I mean, we all understand that. Right. And, you know, and guys are locked in gear all day long. You know, they're, they're wearing the body armor all day long, even if it's limited body armor, it's still, you know, it's putting you in this kyphotic position, sure. sitting in vehicles for hours and hours. And so, you know, it's all this like forward flexion we're in all the time. And so, Inversion tables are pretty big over there, you know, anything uh, like we yeah. guys out with. And and there's teaching them some basic like you know, like soft tissue stuff and foam rolling and things we could do to get them to open up a little bit and, and to do a little preventive care, you know, before and after, you know, they went at, they were stuck on a mission for a long time. It was, tends to be pretty helpful and guys are usually pretty appreciative of it. Sure. So you mentioned where sometimes you know physical therapy could could be a crutch. You know, how, how, how as a physical therapist, can you teach a soldier really ownership of their own injuries and treatment? I mean, that's, I mean, that's the Holy grail, right? Because that we, we want to make sure they don't understand that whatever I'm going to do to you, it's more with you, but it's definitely you doing, how did you, how did you, uh, how did you use uh, strategies to, to, to employ that? It's, it's a tough one, you know, and I think you have to look at the population. So you know, if you're working with a special operations population, educating them on what that what their injury is and and how long it's it's going to take you know someone has a fairly significant shoulder issue and two months later they're still having pain and you explain to them yeah it's not that big of a deal man like it's shoulder pain is a six month you know it could be a long deal you know like obviously you're not in the same amount of pain for the whole time but there's a progression to it and it's not you're in pain one day and then you're not um, but if we can educate them on kind of where their pain is, why it's that way, maybe what structures we think are damaged, you know, and the one thing with the, the military, being a military PT, a lot of times we can get imaging done and, uh, you know, we're able to order imaging and order you know, even an MRI. And if someone, we think someone's fairly significantly injured, we could order that. And, and then that's a pretty good diagnostic tool, but, you know, it, it's not a great thing to do because we label people with an injury and, and sure. uh, but yeah. yeah. And so I was, I was talking on uh, Twitter today. That's where it, the best and worst conversations in the world happen. Um, but one example that came up, I mean, if you've ever ordered a pizza from Domino's, I know exact when I order from Domino's.com, they've got that pizza tracker. I know where it is. It's being prepared. It's in the oven. It's out of the oven. It's in the driver. It's on the way. And it sounds it's you know it ain't sexy, but sometimes the patient knowing where they are in that pizza tracker mentality is like, dude, like this is you know, you got a little while, right? And and, right. and just knowing where you are in that process can make you go, okay, I got to do, I got a little while, I got to slow down, but I got to focus on where I am now. Sometimes that's the biggest the biggest help. Yeah, and a lot of times we'll talk about like what 
you know, what can you do non-provocatively, right? So say it's a shoulder injury, right? So we're like, okay. what are non-provocative movements I can do, right? Do you farmer carries? Can I do some like low rows? Can I do some pushing and pulling? Maybe start getting into some swings up to 90 degrees. Is anything overhead's bothering them right now? And so we can slowly progress back into the side. Okay, we it's okay to it's okay. Pain's okay. Like you can check, keep checking it, keep checking it, but your shoulder's stable, it's gonna be all right, or your back's fine, right? It's okay to get back into the gym. And you know, let's let's use proper mechanics, and let's let's just understand that this isn't going to be better next week. It's not going to be better next month. You know, like it's going to be well. I should say it's not going to be better, but it's not going to be cured. And you know, like you're not going to be pain free. It's a significant injury. You know, you fell from whatever. You know, and it's it's not going to be healed overnight. And so, but with the younger population, you know, a lot of times like these younger soldiers their life is not necessarily under their control. And so we, we do a thing, you know, in the army called a, a profile. And so we, it's like a limited duty profile. So say, say a kid gets an ankle sprain and we can say like no running for two weeks or this and that. So the hardest thing probably for the medical providers is, okay, so we give some guidance. You can't do anything for two weeks. Well, this guy goes back to his unit two weeks later. They're like, well, you can run now. You know, like, well, he's You're came yeah, grade three ankle sprain. And like, and then we see him next week. He's like, yeah, my ankle's blowing up again. I'm like, well, you know, this probably wasn't the best thing to do. And so trying to provide guideline, guidelines for not just the soldier, educate the soldier, but also provide guidelines for the command. And that's why this whole new, with um, PTs being embedded in the units, and strength coaches, it's, it's really good for the army. It was really good for the militaries. So, that, you know, we're just a little better... We're better off than the squad leader that just wants to get after you know i get it he has a guy he wants that guy back in the fight he wants a guy back in the, you know working in his unit but and he doesn't know he might not know yeah, he does, yeah, that's right yeah that's right he doesn't know and let's give them some time and then you can have him back in a month as opposed to you keep breaking him and then you never have him back and he gets you know medically discharged from the army so yeah I love that. Uh, talk about your uh, your current position. We're at Colorado University in, in the center right there. What do you get to do now? Yeah, so I'm the director of operations at the Hibble Center. Um, so it's a it's a collaboration between Centura and the University of Colorado Colorado Springs, and so it's a it's a beautiful building. And so Centura, which is the the, the company I work for, Centura Health. We own the first couple floors, and so we have a performance center. We have sports nice. medicine, we have MRI, imaging, orthopedic, physical therapy, and so. And then our performance center—it's all retail. So we run, you know, some performance programs, strength conditioning, anywhere from pre-high school, high school. We work with the university athletics, and so. And then we do some master's level training, and so it's good. We do. We have a lot of. Uh, fancy tools there. So, you know, running assessment, we have the Dari motion capture, some qualysis stuff and force plates everywhere. And then we also, which is kind of neat for us, we have some altitude chambers and so, uh, oh, nice. which are retail, which is pretty, which is pretty uh, unique. And so uh, COVID wasn't the greatest for them, but we're starting to open them up now. And, and we have some Olympians training in there. Some of the world-class athlete program is training there from Fort Carson. And we're having some Olympians come in and do some uh, low altitude training. And so, it's good. It's it's pretty exciting. It's uh it's good. And then I also teach a class at the university. I teach uh, tactical strength and conditioning. Yeah, you know, measuring that right. So, it's um, but it's it's, it's good. I, I enjoy it. And uh, you know, the university is on the you know part of the second floor on up, and it's their human physiology and nutrition stuff there. So. That's great. 
What makes what would make a great military physical therapist? What what are some of the qualities? If there's someone out there who is uh, who is listening or watching and thinking, yeah, hey, maybe so, we want to do this one day. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So I think it's like definitely here's the one thing about being a military physical therapist, like continued education is always there. Like we can really pursue it and, and it's the funding is there to, you know, to go to a course once or twice a year. And you talked about Rich Westrick earlier and, and I took over for him at one of his early jobs. He told me, dude, if you're not going every four to five months, like you are wrong. Like you need to go and you need to get educated. And I, I took that to heart and it, it makes you so, a love of learning, not getting stuck in some, whatever, whatever you're, you know, kind of like whatever you're given. Yeah. Whatever your channel is, you know? And so initially when I came out of school, I worked with a guy that was a McKinsey guy. So I became a, a McKinsey guy initially. And, but you know, then I went and worked for, I took over for Rich. And so I think having a love of learning and just a love of physical therapy. And then, but the other side of it is, is understanding strength and conditioning and performance and because you're going to have these people that come in that are in pretty good shape and they're going to look to you as the expert and, and, you know, you telling them to do quad sets for six weeks, it's not going to cut it. And then you're going to lose them, you know, and you're going to lose, you lose that. You know, so you lose on there's, there's going to be no relationship. Yeah, for sure. And you know, yeah, yeah. You're going to lose that relationship. You lose the trust. And so, you know, you should definitely have like a, a love of strength and conditioning and, you don't have to be in great shape, but you know most military physical therapists are in pretty good shape, and you know and they know strength and conditioning, and they know rehab, and and they do a lot of continued education. So, well said. Those, like those would be the two big things I would say. All right, that's great insight. All right, uh, we have a tradition on the show. We do something th- uh, called three questions. You ready for three questions? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's do three questions. All right, three questions brought to you by our friends at Fusion Medical Staffing. Find them online at fusionmedstaff.com. Much like a military physical therapist, you can move about the country as a PT. A PT or PTA license? You decide where to go. Go test drive a part of the country if you'd like. Uh, Job transparency? Want to be a travel physical therapist? I don't know. Pick a spot and go. Uh, Fusion also has that job transparency. They're just going to tell you exactly what the position is looking for, what it's going to be like. Most of these assignments are about three months, but if you really love it, some turn into permanent assignments. So check them out as uh, where there are people. They need great PTs and PTAs. FusionMedStaff.com. All right, Jason, three questions. First question is a where question. You're in Colorado, but and you've been, you know, you traveled around. Where's somewhere that you can't wait to go now that we've been kind of like holed up for a year? Where's someone you can't wait to go and just visit? Yeah, I'd like to get to some humidity. So I would say either <laughs> North Carolina or South Carolina, a little ocean time would be good. So it's yeah, been cold and it's been a cold and dry winter here. So. <laughs> you were in Fort Bragg. There's a lot of humidity north and south. Yeah, Carolina. No, I like it. It's good. I got a lot of that. All right. So that's your where. <laughs> uh, second question is a what question. What's something you've read or watched or listen to a book, a movie, podcast, something that you think the audience could get value from? Yeah, so on the PT side, I'm a big fan of the manual therapist. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, and so... The person? Yep, yep, yep. So he's a, he's, he's just kind of 
I think he's eclectic physical therapy and he's a McKinsey guy. And so I, I really just like his stuff. And so if I'm ever, if I'm ever wondering about treatment for some area, I'll usually like get on his site and see if I can figure out a way. And so, but yeah, he's i I've never met him, but I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, Urson, Urson Religiosos, who we're talking yep, about. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. You gonna go non-PT? Because you said, hey, in terms of PT, is there something non-PT you'd recommend? Oh, I like Dan John. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know Dan John, the strength coach. Yeah, he's uh, he's funny, and he's just he makes everything a lot more simple than it should be. You know, it's so, like he can break anything down, and so he has a lot of good books. I think his one first book is like "Don't Let Go" or "Or Never Give Up." Or, but anyways, he's if you look up Dan John, it's an easy read and. You know, he just has really good stuff in there. It's kind of like, you know, hip hinge and strength and conditioning. So I like yeah. him a lot. Two, two good recommendations. Last question uh, in three questions is a who question. Who's someone the audience should know more about? Well, I, I would say Rich. So if you guys know Rich, like he is a – you, you know him, right, Jimmy? So he is the best PR guy for himself yeah. that I've ever met. Like he can sell himself on anything. But here's the thing. Like he is such a genuine guy. He really like, is. He's just a great dude. Like he's personable and I, I love him to death, man. I, I've, I've known him. He got me kind of into the, you know, he took me under his wing when I did my residency. And so the story that we met, the story that we met, I've told this a couple of times on the show, but it's worth telling again. I, we, you know, I was at, at CSM when it was in Anaheim in LA and I don't know, I met him at some party or at some hotel room party. Yeah. I mean, I it's like, someone's got some alcohol. Let's go to their room. And I just meet this guy as I'm like, Rich Westrick. And he's got a person. I'm like, this guy seems cool. I'm, a still, <laughs> I'm still a student. I had just launched the podcast. I had, I was going to a PT pub night like a mile away. And I had like a stack of like 10 boxes of pint glasses. And I literally didn't. On the map, it was like I just had to go this far, but this far I had to walk how many blocks? And I was like, How am I gonna get all these pint glasses to this bar? And I'm like literally stressing. And he's like, and I just met him 10 minutes ago. He's like, I got a rental car, man. I'll just go drive you. And I'm like, is this guy really gonna show? I'm I'm standing under the awning at the hotel and I'm like, is this dude actually gonna show up? There's no way. I gotta call a cab. He ain't gonna, and wouldn't you know it, pulled around yeah. the corner and said, Hey man, throw throw those glasses in the back. And Rich and I have been been friends kind of ever since, but yeah, he's just got that personality. Yeah, he's a great dude. You know, I, you know, we do some like army DPT stuff, you know, and like there'll be some like people there from the class at 27 or something like, hey, let's go talk to him. Like, right, <laughs> so he's, he's just a good guy. He cracks you up too. Yeah, I mean, there's a good lesson stuff. too, right? Which is like, you know, be humble and, you know, be, uh, I think I learned um, how to be a great physical therapist was uh, available, adequate and affable. And I was like, wait. Yeah wait adequate and like yeah like just know the basics know those the other two things available and affable like available you gotta show up when you gotta show up and affable that's yeah. the important nobody wants to work with someone who's a pain in the ass like nobody wants yeah, to work no, with that person right so, right exactly good last, so, all right last thing we do on the show jason is the parting shot All right, parting shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. As we, I mean, man, it's June, but we're already starting to look towards CSM and what's going to be going on with the programming out there. The Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy leading the way in orthopedic care. Uh, independent study courses, ISCs, one of those a lot of people talk about, ask about, download the just a reading list for is 
current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. That is the perfect roadmap if you're saying, I don't know where I am, I don't know where you are in your orthopedic knowledge, wherever you are, this is the roadmap to get you to that OCS, right? Confidently and competently. So uh, check that out, available now, current concepts of orthopedic PT at orthopt.org. All right, Jason. Parting shots, really just your chance for a you know, mic drop moment, a sentiment, a thought, an idea, whatever you'd want to leave with the audience as we wrap up today. What is it? Okay. I would say, so uh, Ben Asker, and he just fought one of the Logan brothers and got knocked out, but he's a great wrestler and fought in the UFC and great MMA guy. But he had a, a thing he was talking about, beginner's mind. And so what he was saying is when you're learning, so if you're a physical therapist and you're learning, you know, sometimes just shut up, right? Just ask questions and be open to whatever somebody is saying. And, and let's always try to advance the type of physical therapist we are, the type of strength coach we are, and, and to be better and don't always have the answers and be humble enough to, to recognize maybe you don't know everything, but then when it's time to be a physical therapist for your patient, that's when you're the expert and that's when you you, you lay down the law. And so that'd be my thing. Just, you know, let's, let's as a physical therapist, let's just have an open mind and be willing to learn from others and, and to be open to new concepts. Be humble, right? Be, I mean, be humble, be, yeah, for sure. When, yeah. when has something ever gone wrong because someone was really humble, right? Like, I don't, I don't think yeah. I can think of an example where someone was too, too humble. Uh, great, great uh, advice right there in your parting shot, Jason. Thank you again for your service. Appreciate all that you do. Thanks, Jimmy. Episode tonight, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.